My name is Robert Stone. I'm a private eye, and I'm good at finding things. Really good. Along with my partner Styx, we find things that want to remain hidden, like car keys, lost pets, unfaithful spouses, and homicidal maniacs. Not always, in that order. We are detectives for hire in the sprawling metropolis called Freedom City. Here in our case files, you will find magic, monsters, mystery, and mayhem. Manic Mysteries features the voice talents of Jason Allen, Corey Teitzma, Kevin Meese, Melissa Baldwin, Tiffany Hendren, and Sean Cashman. The Case of the Killer Banana It's Friday. There's not a cloud in the sky. The birds are singing their sweet love songs. Shoppers bustle along the busy streets enjoying the first taste of a free weekend after a long week of work. The city smog is at fire lizard levels, so you can breathe it without wearing a gas mask. It's a beautiful day for a funeral. Whose funeral, you ask? Mine. That's right. I'm the one pushing up daisies in the wooden box at Sunny's Funeral Parlor on the corner of 6th and Main. That's my partner Styx, sitting in the front pew, crying a river of tears into an embroidered napkin I'm pretty sure he stole from the Crispy Collier restaurant, patting his shoulder as Valerie Moon. She's a pale-skinned dame, with short black hair, glasses, and a few screws loose. She's also a damn good forensic alchemist, and a reasonable exorcist. And there's Chief Buggins, standing not too far away. His eyes are red, even if he's putting on a professional mask of indifference. And there are also your various well-wishers, colleagues, friends, and a few enemies who are probably here to make sure that I'm really gone. Hiding in the fourth row from the back is the cat. Don't ask. It's nice to know that I'll be missed. Or at least that's what I'd be thinking if I hadn't kicked the bucket, given up the ghost, and joined the choir eternal. You might be wondering how all this happened. What strange circumstances resulted in me, Robert Stone, ace detective, stiff as a board, and staring into the abyss with a banana clutched in my cold, dead hand? Well, the whole sordid affair began, as most tragedies do, on a Monday, with an ominous sign. What do you mean there's no fortune in your fortune cookie? I told you, it's empty. There's nothing here. Did you eat it? Sticks, don't be ridiculous. Here, take a look. No fortune. No lucky numbers. No vague advice. This is bad. This is really bad. What are you going on about? So they forgot to put one inside. Are you kidding? This is the worst thing ever. It's like spilling salt while walking under a ladder while reciting Macbeth on Friday the 13th. No fortune cookie means no future. You have no future. Have you been eating candle wax again? I told you that was an experiment. Whatever, Sticks. Listen, I don't believe in lucky charms, omens, horoscopes, or any of that other superstitious rubbish. You've written a will, right? I don't need a will. Nothing bad is going to happen. It's the Grim Reaper. He's come for you. Quick, run and hide. I'll stall him with my magic flower trick. Honestly, Sticks, considering how much you love science and magic, I would have thought you'd be skeptical about these old wives' tales. To prove that there's nothing wrong... I will open the door this time. No, please don't. Uh, there's no one here. You don't see a raspy skeleton in a black cloak beckoning your soul with its bony finger? No. Oh, hang on. There's something here by the door. It's a bomb! It's a fruit basket filled with bananas. How oddly anticlimactic. Is there a card? No, just a basket. Better safe than sorry. You should chuck it out the window. I will do no such thing. Hey, you hungry? <laughs> Ask me in an hour. Here, I'll set it on the filing cabinet. It'll make a good snack later.
Your turn. Dick and Jane Detective Agency. Yeah. Yeah. Not really interested. Well? It was just a lot of heavy breathing and some sort of distant chanting. I guess it's time to wash the sink again. They get ambitious when we let the grime accumulate. The former occupants of our office, Dick and Jane, were accountants by trade. They had customers across a number of different dimensions, and apparently even Demon Spawn have to file their taxes. Dick and Jane left some holes in the fabric of space and time along with a few other curses of dark magic. Needless to say, they didn't get back their security deposit, and we got this place for a song. Now as long as you don't mind the occasional exorcism or haunted broom closet, it's actually quite comfortable. Look, if I want to trade my soul for a wish that will surely backfire on me, I'll call you. In the meantime, get off our phone! Oh, sorry, Chief. I thought you were someone else. Sure. We'll be down at the station in a jiff. The Freedom City Police Headquarters is an impressive monument in the very center of the city. Its stone arches and large gleaming stained glass windows are meant to symbolize the safety of its citizens. The building is completely empty, of course, apart from a receptionist and a tour guide. It was way too expensive to trust around criminals and the average working stiff. The real police station is a nondescript brick block situated in the seediest part of town. It's far more convenient for everyone that way. The police don't have to walk far to arrest the riffraff, and the city doesn't have to worry about maintenance since a firebomb might actually improve the decor. Chief Buggins was in his office waiting for us. He'd already gone through at least two packs judging by the cloud of smoke hovering in the air. The only other occupant in the room was a man wearing a black leather coat, black fedora, black shoes, and to complete the ensemble he wore black sunglasses. If he hadn't turned his head when we walked in, I would have confused him for our coat rack. We came as quick as we could, Chief. Close the door. Who's the man in black? Robert, Sticks, this is the cat. Don't ask. Does he meow? I said don't ask. What's got you in such a pickle that you call us? I have some missing people and I can't deal with them right now. We have our hands full of murder, three of them, all in the last five days. Lionel Bones, Jasmine Florence, Frederick Time. I read about them in the newspaper. An accountant, a barista, and a carpenter. I assume there's a connection. The same M.O. Each one was found dead in their homes. No forced entry. Deaths appear to be caused by a fast-acting poison, but we're not sure what kind. Here's the strange part. Each victim was found clutching a fruit in their dead hands. An apple, a pear, strawberry. We think the poison was on the fruit. However, we can't pry the fruit out of their hands. Appear to be magically bonded and repel every attempt to analyze them found a basket in each house. However, none of the other fruit carries the poison, or perhaps it only triggers when the intended victim touches it. We just received a basket An opening in our schedule. We would be happy to assist you with your missing people. So, who are we tracking? Do you know Mary Berry? Mary Berry? Didn't he have a children's show way back in the day? His real name is Skenazy Finkel. Yeesh, I can see why he used a stage name. His show was very popular. I remember it now. I hated that show. Mary Berry in his giant fruit costume. He sang those stupid songs about eating healthy, and he had these two kids dressed as a cat and a dog that followed him around. What were their names? Hissy Lickbottom and Barky Rugburn. Ugh. They would go on stupid adventures about walking on grass and sniffing lipstick. It was inane. Mary Berry was an artist, and his show had good educational messages. If you say so, it was canceled, wasn't it? Wasn't there some sort of scandal? A travesty. It speaks. And here I thought you were applying for a career as a paperweight. A photographer called Mary Berry eating a greasy pile of Admiral Credi's deep-fried lamb burgers. He was the voice of carrot sticks and granola bars. And there he was slurping up the very thing he so often fought against. His reputation was ruined, 
His fans abandoned him. The network canceled him. Admiral Credit's stock jumped with the child obesity rates. It was the worst setback for the health movement in decades. You seem like quite the expert. Don't ask. Just call me the cat. Wait, you aren't. Is he Lickbottom? Jeez, no wonder you don't want to be noticed in public. One week ago, I received a letter from Mary Berry. Hissy, I need help. Please meet me at the Crispy Collier at 8 o'clock. Tell no one. Signed, M. Berry. I wasn't able to go. My steam train broke down, leaving us hanging over 2nd Street until well after midnight. I sought out Mary, but he wasn't home. Then I called Barky, but I can't find him anywhere. Barky Rugburn? His real name is Tim Noodle, but he still likes to be called Barky. We searched both their last known addresses. Neither of them appear ransacked or that there was any sign of a struggle. They appear to have vanished. See what you can do to find them and take the cat with you. Our office doesn't allow pets. That's an order. And no wisecracks. Now get out of my office. So you were a Mary Berry fan? Don't be ridiculous. Oh, please. You are a terrible liar. Do you have an autographed photo? Can I see it? Sticks. Do you want to sing his theme song? I'm warning you. Oh, I'm the Mary Berry Man. I eat healthy when I can. I dance all day. I sleep all night. I'm the Mary Berry Man. N knock it off. I was six years old, okay? I'm sure you were into similar things when you were little. Little? Who are you kidding? I'm into that stuff now. Want to see my toy transmogrifier or robot collection? Maybe later. In the meantime, we've got to check out the apartments of Mary and Barky. And we need to deal with the package back at the office. You don't think it was from the Grim Reaper, do you? I was joking about that whole fortune cookie thing. Yeah, I think you were right. We're going to have to call Val in. Oh, Val? Are you sure? She's the best we know when it comes to enchantments, poisons, and curses. Okay, I'll talk to her. She hates you. Didn't she set your hair on fire the last time you visited? It grew back, and I'm 64% sure that was an accident. You're a funeral, friend. Find out what you can. We'll meet back at the office in about seven hours. Come on, Cap. I want to check out Mary's first. I'm thinking five days on this one. You probably won't even remember. Ho ho, ye of little faith. Three days, max. The brilliant and daring Sticks return to the office alone via the public rail system. The rail is a fast and cheap means of travel provided you don't mind the screeching grind of metal and asphalt and the lingering odor of burnt coal. If it breaks, you will have to hang 40 feet from the ground for hours until a repair crew wakes up from their nap. No breakdowns on this trip, just a little vertigo. I arrived at the office and entered cautiously through the window. I didn't want to alert the bananas to my presence just yet. There they sat on the filing cabinet just where we left them, a bomb ready to explode. Who knows how those dastardly fruit lure their innocent victims to death. Perhaps the alluring smell obfuscates the mind or the dazzling color hypnotizes you. The remains of the empty fortune cookie lay on the desk, taunting me. An ill omen. I'd best not take any chances. I must prepare. Mary Berry, a.k.a. Skenazzy Finkel, lived in a small apartment in a run-down corner of nowhere. Hissy declined to enter, electing to wait for me outside. Police tape blocked the door, but there wasn't much in this dingy apartment to tempt even the most desperate thief. Old photos and magazine covers lined the walls and suggested happier days. When contrasted with the worn furniture and the countless wrappers of greasy fast food, it was a grim example of how far the mighty could fall. At his peak, Mary Berry was a household name. He was wealthy, respected, and could summon crowds of cheering children with a mere wave of his hand. 
Women chased him. The newspapers loved him. Politicians courted his appearance at events. Now, he is as forgotten as so much of yesterday's news. I surveyed the mournful room. The police had clearly searched it thoroughly, and yet something seemed out of place. On the wall was a nail without a picture frame. A closer look revealed a bare spot that was not as sun-bleached as the rest of the wallpaper. I checked the rest of the apartment. Clothes were folded in the drawers. No obvious signs of a struggle. A careful search revealed nothing else of interest. We left for the abode of Barky Rugburn. Hi, Val. Come on, Val. Open up. Go away. I need your help. What makes you think I want to help you? Because you secretly like me? <laughs> Keep dreaming, creep. Don't leave me standing on your door holding a deadly bomb. That is not a bomb. That is a fruit basket. We think it's cursed or enchanted or something, and that it will murder whoever touches one of the bananas. So you receive a fruit basket, which you believe to be deadly, and your first thought is to bring it to me? You're the best alchemist we know. If anyone can figure out what's wrong with these bananas, it's you. Uh-huh. Enough flattery. Who was it supposed to kill? Stone, or maybe me. We don't know. That makes sense. So why are you wearing oven mitts and sunglasses? Uh, no reason. It's a new fashion craze. Uh-huh. Okay, bring it in. Oh, and sticks, don't touch anything, or I'll test the deadliness of these bananas by shoving one up your nose. You know I love it when you threaten me. The address listed for Barky Rudburn took the cat and I to a quaint downtown neighborhood. The houses here are small and close together, and were probably very nice around 60 years ago. Each one seems to have been built using the same design, as if they had all been pumped out by some large housemaking machine. The only difference seems to be the odd paint job or two. Our cab dropped us off at a nondescript two-story house sandwiched between two identical houses. We approached the front door. Yes? Good day, ma'am. Does Barky Rook, I mean, does a Mr. Tim Noodle live here? Oh, yes. He rents the room upstairs. And you are? My name's Stone. This is my assistant, the cat. Don't ask. We just have a few questions for you. Are you the police? Yes, ma'am. Uh, may we come inside? Oh, yes, of course. My name is Miss Withers, and this is my home. Uh, thank you. Uh, so, how long has Mr. Noodle lived here? Oh, about two years. He rents the upstairs apartment. Always keeps to himself. Very quiet, young man. He would often be out for days, especially when he had a new girlfriend. He never bought them here, though. Knew I wouldn't tolerate that kind of hanky-panky. I didn't even know he was missing until the police came and told me. When was the last time you heard from him? Oh, you noticed I'm blind, did you? <laughs> You're a quick one. Not like that last policeman they sent. But I already told him everything I knew. You don't need to hear the ramblings of an old blind lady. Please, we don't mind. Uh, tell us your story again. If you're sure. The last time I heard Timmy was about three days ago. He left to go jogging at about six. He jogs every morning. I heard the door open around an hour later. But I didn't hear his footsteps going up to his room. Instead, they were soft like he'd taken off his shoes. He'd never done that before. 
but I didn't think anything of it. Maybe he stepped in some dog poop and didn't want to trail it up the carpet. Anyways, about 20 minutes later, I heard the soft steps again. And then the front door opened and closed. Haven't heard from him since. Although, funny enough, there was the scent of lavender in the hallway. Do you know if he was currently seeing someone? I think so. He'd always wear this heavy aftershave whenever he was in a relationship with a lady. And he was wearing a lot of it recently. Was it lavender scented? I wish! No! It smelled like broiled shrimp in a coconut. Do you mind if we look upstairs? I don't see why not. <laughs> Sorry, I like my little jokes. Barky's apartment didn't look like the stereotypical bachelor pad. Everything was too neat and tidy. The clothes were clean and immaculately folded in his dresser. The bed was made. There was a couch and a coffee table with a few steam bike magazines on it and a bookcase full of science fiction novels. On the walls hung records, a few aging posters of punk rock groups, and a dartboard. A small kitchen area suggested that Barky liked cooking, and the pantry was fully stocked. The man was organized. Everything had its place. The books were even alphabetized. I found the letter immediately. It was sitting on his kitchen table, and it read, Barky, I finished the final batch of fruit. I'll expect payment by Friday. Signed, Stanley. Things were not looking good for Barky. I was on my way out the door when I spotted the photo album. It looked like someone that hastily shoved it back on the shelf. Inside were mostly photos from Barky's time on the Mary Berry show. One page, however, was blank. The photo had been removed. The caption written below the empty space read, The Mary Berry Fan Club. It came back like lightning. Long forgotten names swirled in my mind. I ran back outside. Did you find anything? We need to get back to the office. The Templar sat upon her dark throne. Her face set in concentration as she studied her victim. Periodically, her delicate hand would stray to one of the diabolical instruments of dubious origin that lay on her desk. Then the torture would begin anew. But alas, the prisoner remained stoic. The beautiful seductress has been unable to glean any information from her unwilling subject. She stares now brooding over her next move. Who knows what dark thoughts are passing across that lovely face. Sticks, I swear, if you speak again, I will hurt you. What? After your last warning, I'm as silent as a ninja. You are narrating out loud again. I do not appreciate being called a temptress, seductress, or anything else in a tress. The only thing I'm tempted right now is to throw you out of a window. <laughs> is it poison? I can't tell. Is it magic? I can't tell. Does it mean I will have to stay overnight? That's it. Out. Get out. Uh, but Val... Out, out, out! I will call you when I crack this. She's gonna call me. Where is it? Robert? Back here. What are you doing in this storage room? Looking. Found it. The Holy Grail? Wait, that's just an old photo. This old friend is the original Mary Berry fan club. What do you see? I see an adult dressed as a giant broccoli, two teens in furry cosplay, and six kids wearing I Heart Veggie t-shirts. Now, look at the signatures. Holy sweet onion and tartar sauce on a bald eagle. Lionel Bones, 
Jasmine Florence, Frederick Tyne. Those are the three murder victims. And that? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> yeah, keep laughing. It was an honor. <laughs> oh, this is excellent. We've got to hang this one up. This is serious, Sticks. We found our connection between all these fruit murder victims, and it explains why I've received a basket of bananas. By the way, what did Val learn about them? The jury is still out on that one. She said she'd call me. With any luck, we'll be married by the end of the year. Hope springs eternal. However, this means we still need to find at least two people in this picture before they come down with an unhealthy case of death. Barbara Kissinger and Stanley Crumb. I have a question for you, Cat. Yes? Do you think either Mary or Barky could have attacked these people? Could this be revenge stemming from some feelings of abandonment? It's possible. He was devastated when the show ended. He hasn't been able to get any other acting jobs since. And how about you? You don't think I would do something like this? Why would I go to the police? Out of all of this, you should have recognized the names of these victims. Why didn't you tell the chief about this? I didn't make the connection to the old fan club. I've never been good with names. Hmm. I checked the phone book. Stanley lives on Elm Street. Barbara is unlisted. We called a steam cab and headed out for Stanley Crumb's residence. Elm Street was in a small subdivision of houses with white picket fences dividing tiny yards with unnaturally green grass. Stanley's house stood near the end. As we approached the front door, I noticed about five unopened newspapers laying in a heap near the door. The mailbox was stuffed to overflowing. Neither was a good sign. Excuse me? Hey, look at that! The front door is unlocked and suspiciously open. It would be criminal not to make sure everything was okay before we called the police. I'll wait out here and keep watch. Anyone home? Stanley? Stanley Crom. <coughs> Looks like we're too late. Styx was right. We found the corpse of Stanley face down in his living room. He was stiff as a board, his glassy eyes staring into space, and his right hand clutched in a tight fist at his chest. There was a basket of grapes sitting on the small end table nearby. I looked at Stanley. He was a tall man with thinning brown hair, wearing a white polo shirt and brown khakis. His glasses lay broken on the ground next to where he had fallen. Stanley lived in a nice neighborhood. We would call the Flatfoots, but first we needed to search the place. As if reading my mind, Sticks headed to the next room while I searched Stanley's pockets. His wallet held about 30 in cash, a couple of photos of himself with a pretty blonde woman, a membership card for the local accounting guild, and a couple of receipts from the Crispy Collier, an upper-class restaurant. There were two glasses of wine on the table. One was mostly empty. The other, however, had been knocked over. Did you hear that? The roar had come from outside. We rushed through the door just in time to see a red steam bike tear down the street like a bull on fire, turn the corner, and vanish from view. The cat was gone. The tire marks showed that the bike had jumped the curb and destroyed part of the fence. Before company arrives, you'd better take a look at this. We went back inside. Styx directed me down the hall to stop in front of a large black door. It looked like Styx had had to coax the door open and I decided not to remark on this. The mysterious door led us into a small room and I felt my stomach drop a few inches. The walls had been painted completely black and covered in red swirling symbols that seemed to shimmer when you moved. The windows had been painted over as well. The room was devoid of furniture, but dozens of burnt candles stood at regular intervals throughout it. There was a rank odor of mildew and cotton candy permeating the room. It was oddly familiar, as it reminded me of home.
It's a summoning chamber. That adds up. I found an accounting guilt card in Stanley's wallet. Joy, we might be dealing with a demon. Or it could be unrelated. <coughs> Sounds like our time is up. That's an unfortunate turn of phrase. Well, boys, I asked you to find Mary Berry, and instead I find you muscling in on my case. You better have a good explanation for all this. Talk. Well, Chief, someone on a red sting bike just nabbed our friend the cat. And we found the connection between the fruit murders. Okay, spill it. Someone's knocking off the old Mary Berry fan club. A fan club? It's true. All of your murder victims were leaders of the Berry Club back in the day. I found this letter at Barky's. Seems to suggest that he hired Stanley here. Looks like they had a falling out. I should mention that a red steam bike is registered to our friend, Mr. Barky. Do you know who else he could be gunning for? There are only two fan club members left alive. One is Barbara Kissinger. And the other? Me. You've got to be kidding. It's true, Chief. We've got his old picture. It's hilarious. I think our two cases are related. Either Barry or Barky is behind these killings, or whoever took them. I'll put out a bulletin for Mrs. Kissinger. Anything else I need to know? That's all we have so far. Robert, if the killer is targeting you, we could offer you protection. No thanks, Chief. I can take care of myself. I'll just be sure not to eat anything in the fruit family until we catch this creep. If you're sure, report back to me immediately if you turn up anything. Aye, aye, Captain. Sergeant, bag that body up before we carry it out. We aren't putting on a show for the neighbors. So what now? Do you have a suit? Yes. Why? Because we are going to the Crispy Collier. Fancy. The Crispy Collier is one of the most elite, expensive, and snooty restaurants in town. It sits on Posh Avenue, squashed between a clothing store that caters only to the fabulously wealthy and anorexically skinny, and a coffee shop that sells drinks with pompous names like Mountain Dream and Hyper Escape. Sticks and I entered the main lobby of the Crispy Collier and were greeted by a cascade of light glittering from thousands of crystals dangling artistically from the ceiling. The furniture was highly polished. The round tables were covered with white tablecloths, gold candlesticks, and neatly folded napkins embroidered with the restaurant's logo, two C's, layered like money signs. Both Sticks and I were wearing our Sunday best, but we probably still looked like hobos judging by the speed with which the suited waiter came rushing towards us. Can I help you gentlemen? We take deliveries in the back. We're not here to drop off provisions. We are here to eat. Perhaps the hot dog stand down the street would be more to your liking. Hot dogs? Don't be absurd. We may be new to town, but we are not your average wayfarer. We will only dine at the best, and so far I, Duke Wellington the Third, am not impressed. Now get us a table. Chop chop. <sighs> right this way. Your waitress will be with you shortly. Nice work, Sticks. We'll be lucky if they don't spit in our dinner. This menu is broken. It has no prices. That probably means we can't afford any of this. Welcome to the Chris Collier. My name is Barbara. What would you like to drink? I would take the most expensive wine on the menu. Ignore that order, miss. But did I hear you correctly? Your name is Barbara? Yes. Barbara Kessinger. Yes. Who are you? I am Duke Wellington, and I demand to be pampered. Shut it, Sticks. Barbara, my name is Robert Stone. I am a private eye, and I believe your life is in danger. In danger? Did you know Stanley Crump? Yes. He was an old friend of mine. Barbara, he's been killed, and I believe that you are next. Killed? No. 
What is going on here? What is the meaning of this? What are you doing? Frankly, I'm appalled, sir. Appalled at your service. This is the worst dining establishment I have ever had the misfortune of frequenting. I have been here for five minutes, and my wine glass is empty. There are spots on the silverware, and your eye is twitching. I insist that you make amends immediately, or I will leave and never return. Miss Kissinger, you need to go to the police immediately. That's it. Yeah. Please come here and deal with these hooligans. An outrage. That's what this is. See if I ever recommend this place to my extremely wealthy associates. Great work, Sticks. You got us booted before I could talk with Barbara. D did you smell the lavender? Her perfume? Of course. Excuse me, Mr. Stone. I'm sorry Jane had you thrown out. I hope Pierre didn't hurt you. Miss Kissinger, it's quite all right. What did you mean, my life is in danger? Have you received any baskets of fruit recently from an unknown sender? Actually, yes. A basket of apples arrived just yesterday. I just figured they were from Stanley. He's always sending me gifts. Don't touch them. They're likely poisoned. You should come with us to the police station. All right. Let me go tell Jean. John? That's a fake name if I ever heard one. I'll bet his birth name is Harold or something. Sticks, I think that, that came from the alley over there. That looks like the red steam bike that took Hissy. And I think I just saw Barbara Kissinger unconscious in the driver's lap. Did you see the driver? No, but I think I know who it is. We need to talk with Val. Come in. Val, are you eating one of those bananas? Yeah, I'm hungry. But aren't they poisoned or cursed or something? Yeah. And yet you are eating one. They're gifts. And that means... Meaning that they are harmless unless the person specifically targeted by the GS touches them. So I can eat one too? Go for it. Wait, they won't GS me, will they? I'm pretty sure they are targeting Robert. So if I were to touch one, I would die? Kind of. You enter a state of half-death. For all appearances, you'll appear to be dead. However, the demon that casts the GS can break the curse and boom, you're alive. This kind of enchantment falls into the realm of demons? Correct. Nasty little spell. So no one has died. Everyone has just been cursed. I'll bet hard cash that the bodies of all our victims have been stolen from the cemetery. More than likely. Or they could be waiting until the entire set is there. I think to catch our murderer slash kidnapper, we're going to have to set up some sort of bait. That could be dangerous. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know what to do. Now, pass me a banana. And that's how I died. Now that you're all caught up, let's get back to the funeral. The funny thing is, I'm actually aware throughout the whole thing. I can hear the sermon and Sticks blowing his nose loudly. I hear the mourners. I was feeling very touched until they called out for stories, and Bruce McKee told the one about how I had broken his legs in his car, and Harry the Hooligan blamed me for his failed marriage. It was an outrage. I wanted to cry out that Groose had flipped his own car when the monkey he had stolen had gotten loose. I only switched the labels on a case of gold for one that had a monkey in it. And as for Harry, he shouldn't have eaten that red onion sandwich. It made it so easy to catch him in that embezzlement scam. It wasn't my fault his wife didn't want to wait five years for his prison term to end. There were so many stories like that. And all in all, it just makes you depressed. So this is how you die? You do stuff and people hate you for it and then they gather around your corpse at the end so they can curse you into the afterlife? This funeral couldn't have ended soon enough. Hours later all the formalities finished 
and the bored denizens of Freedom City meandered back to their solitary lives. The room was empty again except for my corpse and the cat. Don't ask. How stupid can you be? I never thought you'd actually fall for the fruit curse like the others did. Ah well, mortals be dumb. Time to go, Stiffy. Ugh, you're heavy. As if my mortal remains were nothing, I was dragged out the back and thrown into the trunk of a red steam bike like a sack of potatoes. Finally, the last one. Bring him inside. The cat carried me into a large, decrepit building. I think it was an old studio lot, clearly long abandoned. He strapped me to a chair. My sight was limited, but I could see several other chairs and there were people tied to them. They all appeared to be alive and struggling. Okay, Gorak. Remove the curse. With pleasure. Well, well, Barbara Kessinger. So you were the one behind the whole kidnapping affair. I assume Gorak here is a demon Stanley summoned for you, and he was pretending to be Hissy the entire time. Only you had kidnapped the real Hissy days ago. How did you know? You wouldn't enter any of the places that we visited. You always waited for me outside. Demons can't enter homes until they're invited. Very good. I'll do you one even better. Barbara planted that letter from Stanley at Barky's. The landlady smelt her lavender perfume. However, Stanley summoned you for her, not for Barky. And you, Gorat, pretended to be hissy to make sure that I had believed that Barky and Stanley were behind the whole mess so they would take the blame for the murders. Very good, Stone. Too bad you figured it out too late. Now that my collection is complete, justice can be done once and for all. Gag him, Gorak. I want everyone's attention. Hello, my fellow Barry fans. Or should I say former fans? I have the entire gang here. All of the old fan club. Let's begin with Mary Barry. Please, Barbara, why are you doing this? What do you want? What? Do I want? I want justice! I want revenge! You! You were my hero! You were my idol! And then you went and betrayed us all by eating fried meat products! Then the rest of you fled! You ran away! And I was left alone! All alone! I gathered you here so I could watch you die! All of you! Check it out! end for traitors. I'm going to dump you all into this giant vat of boiling grease. That must have taken forever to heat up. Who are you? How did you get in here? I am here to put an end to your health punch. Gorak, grab him! <laughs> I always keep a squirt gun filled with holy water in case I run into a lawyer. You're under arrest, miss. This entire building is surrounded. No! I won't go to jail! I won't be alone again! We watched in horror as Barbara leapt to her death into the vat of boiling grease. Gorak had melted into a puddle after sticks sprayed him with holy water. Police stormed the building and freed Mary Berry, Barky Rugburn, the real hissy Lickbottom, and the rest of the original Mary Berry fan club. You alright, Stone? <sighs> Never better, Chief. So the Kissinger girl did it, huh? Not entirely. It turns out she was working with Stanley who summoned her a demon to capture all of her victims. I think he had an unrequited crush on her. However, she used the demon to betray Stanley. She managed to capture Barky by dating him, and through him she lured Hissy and Mary to the Crispy Collier where she worked. 
She then used the demon in his geese fruit baskets to capture the rest of us. She sent her demon Gorak to pretend to be the cat and used Barky's bike so I would believe that Barky was the murderer. But why? This whole thing was really a convoluted revenge plan. To be honest, I don't think she really wanted to kill us. I think she was just angry and lonely. She was the former head of our fan club, and it was probably just a dream come true for her. And then, when that dream crashed, she just couldn't let it go. Hey, Robert, guess what? What? This case took us four days. I won. I get to decorate the office. Let me guess. Fruit baskets. Nah, that would just smell after a few days. Oh, no. There's a framed picture I want to hang right above your desk. No. No, 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 no. Oh, don't be embarrassed. Mary, Hissy, and Barky have all offered to sign it with a personal thank you. What they say is true. You can't ever hide from your past. And thus ends the case of the killer banana. Chief Buggins. If you like these stories, please make sure to like and subscribe. Don't do anything rash watching you. <laughs>